I remember not too long ago, Dabo Swinney was telling the college football world that he built his program on God's name, image, and likeness. Well, now the more I think about it, I think that he was using a euphemism for building his program off of offensive ineptitude. We have had three days to process the disaster that was Labor Day night, 8 p.m. Eastern time, against Duke. And... In processing that game, and watching the post-game press conference from Dabo Swinney, I think Clemson needs to be in panic mode. It's not just that they should be in panic mode. They need to be in panic mode. Even if they manage to pull things together, pull themselves up by the bootstraps, and go 10-3 and or 11-3 and again, there needs to be change. There has got to be change. There has to be. I cannot stress that enough. Today's not the typical reaction video either. After all, we've had three days since this game. If I wanted to post a reaction video talking about this game specifically, I should have done that a while ago. But I more so wanted to talk about Clemson. Just Clemson. Not really focusing on the Duke side even though I want to give Mike Elko credit for pulling off an amazing win with a huge talent disparity that went in Dabo Swinney's favor, and also getting that stadium to be packed. Duke Stadium is one of the emptiest stadiums, I think on record in college football in terms of attendance, and that place was packed, it was loud, and the whole field was covered in blue when the fans stormed it. It was beautiful. And what Dabo Swinney did by playing that game and losing in the way he did, is Mike Elko was already cooking at Duke. He was. When you win nine games at Duke after one of Duke's greatest coaches in David Cutcliffe retires, when you win nine games there, that's impressive. Duke is, they're a basketball school. That's what they're known for. They're not known for winning in football. To win nine games there is a coach of the year type achievement. And Mike Elko goes out and he gets a win, a top 10 win. Clemson is probably not a top 10 team, and they probably won't be ranked that way at the end of the year. But at the time, he beat a giant, someone who we thought was going to be a giant. And now his cooking is a full-fledged barbecue. Mike Elko's name in the realm of the coaching world is going to be on fire. Duke football is going to get more attention paid to it. And potentially there may be some donors or there may be people who are looking to fund a football program who see the potential that Duke has with Elko as their head coach. And Duke's trajectory as a program might be changing, probably is changing for the better, in the same way that I think Clemson's is now changing for the worst. Unless Dabo Swinney can go a step further change some more. He already made a change in firing Streeter and bringing in Riley. But if he can go a step further and change his attitude toward the portal, toward name, image, and likeness, maybe Clemson football can reverse this worrying trend. Before we continue any further into this video, please subscribe to this channel and also hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I cover niche college football topics like this one. I plan on doing a few videos on these different topics, shorter videos than my preview reaction videos or top 25 or power rankings videos, but they're content nonetheless. 
I enjoy talking about specific teams and interesting topics like this one. So subscribe and hit the notification bell so you can get notified for my preview and reaction videos and also for videos like this where I'm talking about a specific team and maybe discussing more than just their season, but maybe their long-term outlook, which is what I'm doing right here. Also, like this video so we can get this channel and community into the algorithm and comment your thoughts on Clemson below. That's what I'm most curious about. If you were to do one thing out of all of what I just asked you to do, liking the video and commenting would be the two biggest things. I want to hear your thoughts and have a conversation with you about Clemson football. Because the worrying trend that Clemson has been suffering from is offensive ineptitude. After 2020, when Trevor Lawrence left and DJ Uyunglele was named the starting quarterback, we expected big things from Clemson. They finished with the 82nd scoring offense in America. They scored 26.3 points nationally. Their defense was second in the nation, though. They only allowed 14.8 points per game. It was only behind Georgia's legendary 2021 defense. And Clemson and Georgia that year faced off in a neutral site early on in the year. And the only reason Georgia won was because of a pick six. If not for that pick six, the score would have been 3-3. Three to three. The outlook of the game changes completely, in my opinion. Clemson went from being fourth in scoring offense in 2020, fourth in 2019, fourth in 2018, 32nd in 2017, 14th in 2016, and 16th in 2015, having anywhere from good to elite offenses to having one of the worst offenses in the country in 2021, at least in terms of efficiency. Clemson had tons of talent, a five-star quarterback in DJ Uyunglele. They had Will Shipley starting, I believe, as a true freshman or a redshirt freshman in 2021, and he did well. Their offensive line stank. They had a good tight end, obviously with Shipley, a deep running back room. And at wide receiver, they did have some underrated players. I think Justin Ross was with the 2021 team, and he was expected to have sort of a breakout season that unfortunately never materialized in 2021. And then in 2022, the offense improved. It was 30th in points per game, scoring 33.2. The defense, though, allowed 20 points per game, 20.9 to be specific, which was 22nd. I attribute that to the loss of Brent Venables and the fact that I believe Mickey Kahn and Wes Goodwin are nowhere near as good coordinators as Brent Venables was. And Brandon Streeter was fired. Garrett Riley was brought in. And right now, only seven points per game is 124th out of 133 teams nationally. Now, obviously, that's just through one game. These statistics will with greater sample size, of course, approach what their true value is the longer the season goes on. The more games a team plays in, barring freak injuries, the more we know about a specific team. But through one game, and I don't want to overreact here, but through one game, we have an idea that Clemson's offense does not fit with the roster. It doesn't. Garrett Riley cannot he can't run the same offense he did at TCU. And I think that's what his mistake was. They tried to pass too much. 
They passed 43 times and ran 40. Now, that's a lot of plays. 83 plays for 7 points. That's a lot of plays. That's also a inept and poverty points per points per play ratio. That's horrible. Clemson had 213 rushing yards, 209 passing yards. They averaged more yards per carry than yards per pass attempt, which is nuts. That's rare, especially in the modern sport of college football, and especially with an offense like Garrett Riley's. That's very strange to run an air raid, albeit an air raid that loves to use the ground, but to have that poor of a passing offense. The reason is a Cade Klubnik watching him play. He's not mature. He doesn't know how to handle pressure. He doesn't set himself properly. He 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 has talent, obviously, but he doesn't have good protection, and he wasn't developed properly in my mind by Brandon Streeter and Garrett Riley. I'm not going to doubt his expertise, but his play calling also wasn't the brightest either in this game against Duke. Passing it 43 times when your run game is working to perfection and Shipley is averaging nearly 7 yards per carry, you pound. You ground and you ground and pound. That's what you do. And Clemson had a few fumbles by Klubnik and also by Phil Maffa. I forget if Shipley fumbled or not. I don't think he did. But the ground game was working. The pass game was not working. Clemson does not have the big-bodied wide receivers that TCU did last year. They don't. The offense looked like garbage. And the reason that was is because of who Klubnik is. He's not an elite quarterback. I don't think he'll become one. At the end of the year, I question whether he will be an elite quarterback with Clemson, with the offensive line he's given. And look, he had a 27.9 QBR, according to ESPN. That is a worse QBR than Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz. That's a worse quarterback efficiency rating than Graham Mertz. That's absolutely awful. Period. Amen. There's no debate surrounding that. And their wide receiver core is weak. They don't have the wide receivers that TCU did last year. TCU had Quinton Johnson, Tay Barber. They had Jared Wiley at tight end, who was one of the better tight ends in the nation. And they had Keandre Miller. They had Demarcado at running back as well. So I'd say a similar running back room to Clemson's in terms of overall skill. Better home run hitters. Not as good powerful guys. I, I like Will Shipley's power and his toughness. And then again, TCU also had the better O-line. They just had the better offensive personnel. Almost everywhere. Running back depends on what type of running back you want. Quarterback, in theory, Clemson had more talent due to recruiting, but... Max Duggan looked better than Cade Klubnik does now, and he looked better in 2022 in comparison to DJ Uyunglele. You cannot run the same offense that you did at TCU with the personnel you have here. You can't do it. The offensive line isn't good enough. The wide receivers especially. Clemson is one of the worst Power 5 wide receiver cores. They were dropping passes left and right, they couldn't hold on to the ball, they couldn't get separation, and some of that is to credit Duke's defense, but this offense is, it, it, it's broken, and I attribute that to not just poor recruiting, poor schematics, stubbornness by Dabo about what he wants to run, and also I think 
Garrett Riley got a wake-up call, I think, in this game. You know, you win the Broyles Award, you've had offensive success wherever you go, and now you encounter a team that, you know, SMU at Sonny Dykes for years, and Garrett Riley wasn't always the offensive coordinator with SMU when Sonny Dykes was there. But when he became the OC, Sonny Dykes already wanted to run that air raid type of scheme. So Garrett Riley, to a certain degree, had a system in place and a roster that was recruited for that offense. TCU similar. Gary Patterson, well before Garrett Riley became the OC and Sonny Dykes became the head coach and brought Riley there, Gary Patterson had his offenses humming from the early 2010s when he adapted to the times, to the modern era of college football, which was becoming more offense, less defense. He innovated, became a purely offensive kind of kind of coach in a certain way. He, not necessarily that, but he reinvented his team's identity. Air raid, offense, 3-3-5 defense, you know, that kind of stuff. What TCU had in 2022. And now... Garrett Riley is coming to a program, he's arrived at Clemson, where the offense has been built very differently. So he's in a completely different circumstance. This is why I'm not necessarily going to blame Garrett Riley for a lot of this stuff. Yes, the play calling, not the greatest, definitely could have been done differently. I think that Garrett Riley being an elite offensive coordinator will learn that lesson. But for Clemson, the long-term outlook is... You have to build depth. You have to find talent where you can. And the transfer portal can give you both. It can. Take, for example, Michigan State and Mel Tucker. They got Kenneth Walker III. And Kenneth Walker III basically turned 2021 season from a 6-6 six and six or 7-5 and five year to an 11-2 and two year with a New Year's Six Bowl win. Even though he wasn't in the New Year's Six Bowl, but he still got them in the position to play for a New Year's Six Bowl win, which is impressive. And for last year and this year, they have been able to build up depth thanks to the portal. Now, they've also recruited better, but they haven't even come close to the recruiting level that Clemson has. But through the portal, Mel Tucker has been able to build up depth, and now I think that this year's Spartan team is probably his deepest team in his whole tenure at Michigan State. I just don't think he has the X-Factor player that Kenneth Walker was, which means the ceiling for this team is lower than the 2021 team. Also because of the nation's hardest schedule, which is the opposite of Clemson's schedule. It's one of the easier schedules. But because of that lack of usage in the portal and also of poor assessment in high school recruiting, a stubborn scheme, promoting coaches from within, which means a staff that outside of Garrett Riley, I think is rather mediocre. All of these things compound upon each other. And now, after seeing what I saw against Duke, Clemson's schedule, instead of looking like a 10, 11, 12 win regular season schedule, now looks like a 6, 7, 8, 9 win at best regular season schedule. Notre Dame looks better than Clemson. Florida State, looks like a program that is miles ahead of Clemson. I mean, you watch those two programs play on Sunday and Monday, respectively, you'd ask yourself how Clemson has beaten Florida State and the Seminoles every year since 2015. 
you'd ask yourself that question. They looked totally different. They could not have been more perpendicular. They couldn't have been. And Florida State has used the portal. They've adapted to the times. Mike Norvell has been an offensive innovator for years. He won at Memphis. He knows how to assess talent at every position. Look, he he is taking his program to heights that they haven't seen since Jimbo Fisher in the early 2010s. That's where Florida State is going. Clemson is going where, to go back to the Michigan State reference, and I say this because I'm a Big Ten fan, they are going to Mark D'Antonio 2016-19. That is where Clemson is going, where you will have, because of a good culture, because your coach, look, Dabo Swinney is an intelligent man. He's beaten Saban twice. He's won two national titles. He's a good coach. Currently, he's a great coach, a near-elite head coach, even though I question why people have him as a top-four coach currently after that horrendous loss to Duke. But nonetheless, he's still a great, good football coach. However, his stubbornness is clearly catching up to him. And in his post-game press conference, basically what Dabo Swinney said is, we didn't do anything wrong except turn over the ball. Well, that's very funny, because your wide receivers stink, your quarterback doesn't look good, and this is Duke, for crying out loud. I don't want to be disrespectful to Duke. However, this is not Florida State. This is not half of the Big Ten, whose defenses and teams are probably as good, if not better, than Duke. Same for the SEC. This is not the SEC. This is the ACC, who in my mind is memed as the all-cupcake conference for a reason. It is the worst Power 5 conference, now Power 4 conference after 2023, when the Pac-12 is reduced to the Pac-2 in Oregon State and Washington State, and the reputation of the conference from a football strength of schedule standpoint will only get worse when Stanford, SMU, and Cal are added, as none of those football programs carry top 25 weight. None of them, at least currently. Stanford has shown potential in the past. At one point, they were a great program under David Shaw and then Jim Harbaugh's final year. And SMU has a very wealthy donor base, and Sony Dykes did bring them some success. But Clemson should be dominating the ACC. They have no business losing to Duke with the talent that they have, the resources they have, and the head coach that they have. No business. But through stagnation, through arrogance, through pride, and maybe it's not arrogance or pride to a certain degree. Maybe it's just stiffness, although that's heavily correlated with pride and arrogance. But maybe it's more just being stiff or Dabo Swinney just wanting to stick to the old ways. Now is the point where from here on out, if nothing changes, it's arrogance because now you've gotten the total wake-up call. You have the quarterback who is not DJ Uyunglele. If DJ was the problem, and he's not, he's thriving at Oregon State with Jonathan Smith's innovation and genius. If he was the problem, then that 10-3 and and 11-3 and run wouldn't have been arrogance. That would have just been Dabo Swinney sticking to what he knows works, and unfortunately, he got a, a bad quarterback. He didn't assess a recruit properly. 
And he also had a bad offensive coordinator in Brandon Streeter, and he made a change. That wouldn't have been arrogance. That would have just been sticking to a system that he knows works, and at the end of the day, he was right in his assessment to do that. Now, you have a different quarterback. He doesn't look good whatsoever. Your wide receiver talent has been... They have had diminishing returns since 2018. It's It's been nearly half a decade since Clemson peaked at wide receiver, which is sad. And your offensive line isn't good. Your defense is regressing. They have Peter Woods, for example. Peter Woods offers from Alabama, Georgia. He, he would be starting there right now. He's a great defensive tackle. But you know what sucks? This defensive staff, allowing 28 points to Duke, them getting pressure, but when, you know, Riley Leonard improvised, made a wonderful scramble, when Duke spiced up their play calling, changed a few things, the defense itself, to a certain degree, is also archaic and is incapable of adapting. The program is the definition of stiff. And if Dabo Swinney wants to win a third national championship after this year, he has to change. The portal has to be used. It's not optional. Deion Sanders, I don't care if he goes 1-11 this year. What he did against TCU is evident that you can go out and you can win on day one. And you have a shot against most programs rebuilding through the portal. Florida State, if they go 10-3 and again, who cares? If they go 10-3 and again, they're probably still better than, than Clemson and it's Duke or UNC or some other program that comes out of nowhere and takes the conference by force instead. Florida State rebuilt their program through the portal. Their high school recruiting has been some of the worst in recent memory, but Norvell has wisely compensated for that by using the transfer portal, by getting Jared Verse, Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell, even Jordan Travis. Many people don't know this, but Travis transferred in from Louisville. Florida State's team is built through the portal. And I hate to say this. Well, actually, I don't hate to say this. I love to say this. But I hate to say this because from a college football standpoint, no fan base deserves to suffer. They don't. This is a, a good sport, a sport that builds camaraderie, and a sport that should build friendships and build relationships, not tear them down. Well, when Florida State comes to town, it looks more likely than not right now that the Seminoles are going to wreck Clemson. They dismantled LSU, and they have the talent to go 12-0 and with this schedule. And this schedule that Florida State has is much tougher than the schedule that Clemson has. And I look at Clemson, and I would say I do have some long-term concerns, plenty of them. It's time to panic, because Charleston Southern is a warm-up game, but with how the defense looked and even how the offense looked, you don't think that Tom Herman and Casey Thompson with Florida Atlantic could come to Death Valley and make it a game for two or three quarters? You don't think that Florida State could come into Death Valley and beat Clemson the same way that, let's say, Georgia beat Michigan in the Orange Bowl or Michigan beat Ohio State in the game last year in Columbus or the way that Ohio State beat Penn State last year or the way that Ohio State beat Michigan? Even though all of those games, especially the additions of the game that I mentioned, Ohio State versus Michigan, that's a rivalry. Blowouts and rivalries can happen. In fact, they're not all that uncommon. 
And Florida State is going to be out for revenge. And I don't know if Clemson can garner themselves and fix some of these issues to compete with Florida State in the coming weeks. But at least what you can do is change course after this season. So if you're a college football fan, more specifically if you're a Clemson fan, what you want from Clemson is to adapt. And if you don't adapt in life or in the sport of college football, you wither away and you sadly die. It's a painful reality, and especially for a coach like Dabo Swinney, it's going to be challenging because of the success that he has had with his ways for so long, but it is a must if he prioritizes his football program, the athletic department, and the players on his roster. That's all I have to say in this video. I want to give a quick shout out to my patrons, Spencer Bringhurst and Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, and Matthew Sale. If you have not checked out my Patreon page, please do via the link in the description down below. You'll get your name featured at the end of every video like this one, and depending on the tier you join, you'll have benefits from asking me personal questions and giving me video suggestions to seeing my picks for winning and picks against the spread for every week of college football for select games. For Clemson, it is simple to adapt, but it is difficult, and it is going to be new territory for Dabo Swinney and his staff. I liked the Garrett Riley hire, and I think that is an encouraging sign that after this season, Dabo Swinney does have the potential to see that what he is doing isn't working. And it wouldn't surprise me. In fact, I think it's more likely than not that he will adapt in some way after this year. Now, I think he has to go all in if he wants to go back to the national championship, if he wants to maintain his status as an elite head coach. And in that regard, I don't know if he'll adapt all the way. But I expect some kind of partial adapting, and I predict some kind of partial adaptation to the portal and NIL era after this season for Sweeney. Either that, or he goes full-blown D'Antonio, runs Clemson into the ground, and they have, to, they have to hire a new head coach in two, three, or four seasons. Thank you guys for watching, and I'll see you all around. Bye-bye.